So Monday months after I keep checking the news, checking the news, asking the other angel investors, are there any updates? And I realized, okay, this company isn't going anywhere. I'm just going to write it off in my personal books and just pretend that it's gone. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I created from the lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Vanessa Ho. Vanessa, are you ready to join the mission? I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me today. I am very excited to have you and learn more about what you've done in your life and also what you're doing right now. So let me introduce you to the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Ho built a student alumni run angel investment network and educates students and fresh graduates on startup and private sector investments. That already sounds pretty cool. Formerly, she was a venture capital analyst and a social media content creator and host. Currently, she is in a social fi startup called So Cold, doing business development and marketing. Vanessa, take a minute and tell us about the value that you bring to this wonderful world. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction. I think the biggest value that I bring to the world would be more for the fellow students and fresh graduates in my school and beyond in Singapore. So I'm from National University of Singapore. And what I try to do is to set up a network such that as many students as possible can interact and learn the best practices from a very valuable pool of resources that's been under tap, which are our alumni themselves who are C-suite executives, their founders, or even existed founders, their partners at venture capitalists. So providing that platform for interaction helps them build their own network, plus learn really real advice and investment lessons that they can't learn in the finance module in school. So that's the real value that I'm really excited to push for even as I graduate. That's interesting. And I mean, in some ways you would think that alumni don't want to be bothered. They're very busy. You think that students, you know, okay, they're learning stuff in their school, like that's enough or whatever. I'm just curious, like how easy was it to bring this together or how hard was it to bring it together and build momentum in it? Yep. So I think the initial mission came about really not for the sake of education and learning. It was more because we identified every single year in our school, all the demo days and accelerators are running very fragmented. You have your modules, your calls, the different faculties are running their own micro demo days and they're getting grants and about 400 setups are created every single year. Um, startup ideas, I mean, like pre-funded, pre-POC, proof of concept, and more. And most of them don't really take flight because of the lack of strategic funding and investments, and also the right ecosystem and support. So we actually created this network to help these startups themselves, to get the alumni to angel invest and to coach them as strategic advisors and investors themselves. So when we were building this organization, of course, we couldn't do it alone. It was me and a couple of friends. And we decided to recruit tons of students to help us do you know, things from deal sourcing to investor relations, reaching out to people to do tech solutions for these startups, to facilitate you know, in-house trainings 
such that we can run this organization to the best of our ability when everybody is, you know, have a high level of knowledge on what angel investment looks like. And then doing this journey, then I realized the real value actually also lies in the education part when the students and the fresh graduates who join our club get to learn from the investors or learn from our in-house trainings. So that's how it came about. And we also found out that these alumni are more than happy to come back to join. Just that nobody really, you know, talked to them or called them out and say, hey, we've got a bunch of hungry students who are willing to learn from you. We've got tons of startup who really wants investment from the right places and you guys are the right people for it. And the alumni are way more happy to help and sit on Zoom calls with us, attend our demo days, fund us even. So that's really exciting for us. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a major lesson for the listeners out there is that people are generally more accessible than you think. And a lot of times we hesitate to reach out to people. In Thailand, we have a word which is called Greng Jai. And Greng Jai means like, I don't want to bother them or, you know, feeling that way. And I think that what you learn and I've learned in my own life is that when you have something good, good that you're doing and you want to reach out and ask somebody a question or ask for their help or, you know, just calling someone and say, Hey, uh, I saw you on LinkedIn. You want to have a coffee? Well, okay. That doesn't bring the mission out to them of what you're doing. But when you bring something, you know, serious to people, people are willing to listen and they're willing to contribute much more than I think a young person thinks. So my lesson for the listeners out there from what you've just said is that once you've got something in your head that you think is interesting, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, what's the worst that can happen? As I, I say it when I reach out to big name people, I always say at the end, mom always said, it doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> you know, in Singapore, we have a similar saying, it's called paise. Paise means embarrassed or, you know, you lose face, you, you leave a bad impression. But what I tell my team is you really have to not be paise, just reach out to people, call LinkedIn, message them. It doesn't hurt. At the same time, you know, you kind of boost your confidence level a bit when you are networking on the online space, such that next time when you are meeting people in person, it's less scary and daunting knowing that you slide into the DMs or all these big names. And I think when a few people reply, even if it's just like 10% of them, you feel good. It boosts your ego, it boosts your confidence, and you also learn a lot of things down the line. Yeah, and it's occasionally there's going to be a jerk that says, F off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) That's, that's, there's also a lesson in that, you know, like, okay, that's kind of the worst thing that's going to happen is someone goes, you know, F off. And once you face that, it makes it, you know, like, yeah, that's fine. That's the place that you're at. That's okay. I had one of my best rejections, Vanessa, when I invited someone on this show is I told him, would you be willing to come on and share a story of your worst investment ever? And he wrote back, interesting idea, not my style. Really? (laughs) Maybe you think she has all the best investments. I just had a person, yeah, I just had a person that has a million followers on LinkedIn. I asked them to come on and share their worst investment ever. And they said, ha ha, no thanks. So sarcastic. (laughs) But honestly, that's that's the worst it can get. Yeah, and I just, I had to write back to him and just say, loss is not funny. (laughs) It's painful for my listeners and for my guests. I appreciate your time in replying. That's a great way to handle it. Yes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'll get him so mad that he'll come on the show. 
Well, now, yeah, I, <laughs> now. hopefully they don't feel that, you know, the time spent here is the, the worst investment ever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's, before we move into it, I just want to ask, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now and, you know, what's the best place for people to follow you and, and learn more about what you're doing. Let's go. Cool. So before joining Soko, I was supposed to go into management consulting and I decided to screw it, dye my hair blue. So now it's a bit green and blue if you can see it on the video feed with Andrew. And I decided to join my friend's startup. So Soko is a Socialify startup where we try to help creators engage with the communities through Web3 with embedded utility in NFT. So we are famous for this thing called Irene Tao. This is one of the co-founders. She did a very viral NFT collection that was bought by celebrities and it made headlines all over the world. So probably the most famous Asian for a while. <laughs> and so I'm helping her together with the other co-founder in pushing the mission forward to help creators bring more value to their fans, to the community, and for the fans to get to know the creators even better. To a really very simple platform with all of these complicated Web3 functions and crypto functions masked up in a very seamless social media platform for Web3. Interesting. And where can we go to learn more about that? What's the website? Yep. So you can find us um, socol.io. So that's so cool. And I'm on LinkedIn, Vanessa Hometi. And I'm also on Instagram under Vanessa Ho as well. And on Instagram, I do my very usual content creator things where I post my outfit of the day, beauty, fitness. But, you know, when it comes down to serious conversation and business, I like to talk on LinkedIn or on podcasts like this. Great. Okay. So we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Well, now it's Perfect. time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Well, this one is a tricky one because it still makes me feel a lot every time I talk about it. I don't think a lot of people know about this one. So my worst investment experience was in angel investment. So everybody knows that that's your highest risk of investment class. You go in with the mindset that you may not be able to get anything back. But you also hear stories about how people went in early in Alibaba and Uber and Facebook and become whales in like 10 years so it's all the glitz and glamour but at the same time a lot of people have burned from it so I entered my first angel investment shortly after I started um, NUS Alumni Ventures just because I built my network of angel investors who liked me and referred me and deals as well so I'm not an accredited investor right now but of course you can do internal agreements with investors to park the money under them and they invest in a syndicate so the deal that I was looking at, which is my very, very first one, was a company that does paywalls, micro paywalls for news. So they're pretty big in Southeast Asia, especially in Indonesia with you know 15 million monthly active users, which is great. Credentials look great because the co-founders were ex-Google, ByteDance, you know, all the sexy names, sexy logos on the pitch decks. And I mean, that's what makes people like me, ex-VC, get excited, right? It sounds lame, right? Now that I think about it. But, you know, we see names like McKinsey, Bain, Google, ByteDance, and we're like, oh, this guy's legit. This startup is going to be legit. So I didn't really do too much due diligence with this whole overconfidence in the startup. The angel investor who brought me in also was really close to advising them and I had full trust in him. So because of that, I just went in pretty blind. 
wired the money and read the contracts, didn't really read the contracts in detail actually, and didn't do too much of proper due diligence except trying out the app, reading some news about them, getting excited that they have quite good team. And that's about it. That's all I know about Sun. And then a few months later, I checked the news. Startup hasn't really made too much progress. In fact, the founders themselves are getting nervous about their long-term business sustainability, given how there's so much free news out there right now that they may not have a need for micro paywalls for news. So that got me nervous. So months and months after I keep checking the news, checking the news, asking the other angel investors, are there any updates? And I realized, okay, this company isn't going anywhere. I'm just going to write it off in my personal books and just pretend that it's gone. And coming from like a fresh graduate, I think back then when I was a student, student actually, student undergrad student, it's a lot of money. Even though <laughs> I, I wanted to push my risk appetite a bit, but I mean, all these money are, means a lot compared to if I was a big accredited investor with tons of money to burn, right? But as a student, you know, every dollar makes a lot of difference for me. So I realized, wow, like, I think I really need to reevaluate whether angel investment is a good timing, whether it's a good timing for me to go into angel investment. And, you know, reflecting about my due diligence process just made me really disappointed myself. Not mm. on anyone else. I can push the blame on the founders of the startup on the angel investment who brought me into this deal, it's only myself that that I can blame for, for my lack of due diligence in this company first. Wow. Well, how would you summarize the lessons that you learned? I think the biggest lesson for anyone going to private sector investment is to not be swayed by your flashy big names, your big logos of where the founders have been, who are the partners and strategic advisors. I think really the, like, digging and breaking down into the fundamental of the business model and seeing whether this is something the customers need in the long run would be still the most important thing. And everything else is, you know, noise and distraction. It's like the packaging, it's a like gift wrapper, right? But when you unbox that and you see, okay, what is inside, what, what's this value of this gift? That helps you in your angel investments. And of course, when you trust other angel investors around you, it's really helpful as well. But at the same time, it's your own money. It's your own homework that you have to do. Yeah, well, maybe I'll uh, share what I take away from the story. I think it's a good time to revisit what I've learned from all the interviews that I've done. There's six common mistakes. And I want you to think about, Vanessa, like which ones were the ones. So let's go through it. First one, number one, most common mistake that people make on this show and who have sent me their stories of loss is failed to do their research. Well, we saw that with the due diligence. Number two, failed to properly assess and manage risk. Now you understand that angel investing is high risk. Therefore, you know, you want to think about it in your total wealth context and be careful with what you're doing instead of just swinging for the fences. So risk is the second one. The number three, driven by emotion or flawed thinking. And I think what you've just described is the emotional appeal that you get by looking at these pitch decks, by looking at, and also just the idea like, I'm gonna be in this thing, I'm gonna be in the big world now, right? Right, to be part of the of the party, you know, there's a huge sense of FOMO when it yeah. comes to angel investment. You don't wanna miss out on any good views, you wanna hang out with other angel investors who are really cool as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's very emotional. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, uh, I get a seat at the poker table, yeah, here's my money, I'm gonna put it down. And of course, there's other people at the poker table too. Number four, most common mistake is misplaced trust. 
And I think that we heard some of that in that I trusted, you know, the big names and I trusted, you know, the experience of these people. But that trust is even if they are, and it doesn't sound like this was a case of fraud, lying, cheating. It's just maybe the business model never was going to work or it was broken or it broke eventually. And then number five is failed to monitor their investment. And this is where a lot of people will give money to people and other organizations and they won't keep on top of it every single month or whatever it takes to make sure that your money's, you know, working for you. And finally, number six, I just put this one in because I couldn't figure out how to do it. So number six is invested in a startup company. And what I've found is that a startup investing is binary. You either going to make a lot or you're going to lose it all. Very rarely do you end up in the middle. And the result of that is, is that it's not the type of investment you want to do when you don't have a lot of wealth. And the other thing about startup investing is, and you know it now about syndicates, is that you want to invest in 10 startups, never invest in one. Those are some of my takeaways from what I've heard from you and what I've heard from other guests. Is there anything you would add to that? Yeah, I completely agree with all your six lessons. Very relatable. Startup investing is very sexy, especially with all these big news on, you know, Jason Calacanis and all these super angels making tons of money from the early days of big tech startups. But at the end of the day, the timing has changed. Your own experience has changed. May, may not be suitable for every startup and your risk appetite may not be the most suitable for this class of investment as well. So be very careful, but it is fun and I'll still do it yep. even after this mistake, but hopefully with a bit more caution. You know, there's one last thing I would like to touch on and I'll tell a story of, of my own experience. My worst investment ever was basically I invested in a startup company of a friend of mine and what I learned about startup investing, I learned a lot from this experience. The first thing I learned is that you want to look for trust. Do I trust the person and do I trust this team of people? Second thing, and I trusted him. The second thing was, is the idea good? If you trust them, but the idea is bad, no point. If the idea is good, but there's no trust, don't do it. So I liked his idea. So I felt like the trust and the idea was there. So the next question is execution. Can this person execute? So if you trust the idea is good and you think that they can execute, the last one that I care about is capital. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm the only provider of capital. And that's what I was in this particular case. Now, in this case, what happened was he couldn't execute. It was just very difficult. And he was going into the big leagues globally. And I realized that we would need to raise at least five to $10 million to get where we needed to go in the next step. And I could raise that, but the point is, I wasn't comfortable raising it. And in the end, we set some goals of what we wanted to hit. We didn't hit those goals and we had to shut down the business. And I lost a lot of money, close to a half a million dollars. In one business. Yeah. Oh God. Now, but that's not why I wanted to share this. Why I wanted to share this was because I was thinking about you as somebody who's trying to promote investment in you know, startups, the angel investment network, the reputation that you have in school. Exactly. And, you know, to walk the talk, right? So that's yeah. one of the reasons why I wanted to go into it so badly as well. Yeah. And so what happened in my case was that I was president of the CFA Society at the time, Chartered Financial Analysts in Thailand. I was a leader in the finance community. I had been voted a number one analyst in the past, and I had a very good reputation, but inside I was hurting so bad that I was losing on this investment. And I wasn't losing small, I was losing big. And I felt shame 
and I felt guilt and I wasn't able to share. And I do have people that say, I would love to come on your show, but it's just too sensitive right now. I'm too close to the pain of that. Oh my goodness. At the same time, it's more also with that reputation that you carry, a lot of expectations that you want to live up to and a lot of pressure on yourself to be, you know, a rock star investor, given that you're, you know, you're a lead analyst and I lead this team and organization, you're expected to be, you know, a rock star, whatever you do. And if you make mistakes, people will be scared and, and that's going to be counterproductive and yeah. it's going to backfire a lot of mission that we are trying to do. So it was hard. I mean, I was going to events and I was being a leader of the organization, but inside I felt like I really had made, now the good news is I wasn't doing anything unethical or anything like that. But the bad news was that my move wasn't a very smart move. In the end, I learned a lot and all that, but I just want to, the reason why I tell that story is because I want the listeners out there to know that Sometimes there's pain and shame that comes with losing. And sometimes you may not feel comfortable sharing that with the world, but I would suggest that you share it with somebody close to you that you trust. And I have my best friend, Dale, and we've been through the ups and downs since we were 14. And basically I could share everything with him. And that prevented me from like collapsing under the weight of that. And eventually I was able to tell my story. So. Part of this podcast is the authenticity and the emotional journey that we go through, through that. But I want to ask you now, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Well, the one lesson, or I think something really useful is to really learn the fundamentals of angel investment. It's different from buying stocks. It's different from buying you know, ETFs and crypto. It's completely different private sector is a whole new world to discover. So there are a lot of really cool um, free resources online. There are some pretty affordable online classes taught by really prominent angel investors as well. I think Jason Kalakanis has one. A lot of VCs do one as well. I personally conducted and organized one at the previous VC teaching young executives on angel investment. And if you take on one of these few-day courses, it helps you understand the fundamentals behind private sector investment, how the math works behind it, and what are some of the what are some of the lessons that the experienced investors have. And sometimes they even share it with them, you know, how do you think in the investor's lens, which is very different from, you know, buying a stock in the public market. So I would say take out one of these courses. I think there are plenty of online resources for that to get yourself, you know, very knowledgeable in the space first before going into it and putting any dollars into it. Great advice. And in fact, if any of the listeners out there want to become an expert in valuation, come to my Valuation Masterclass Bootcamp. It's a six-week intense program about how to value companies. But I like your advice, Vanessa, and I've taken so many different courses over the years. I took a great course from a lady named Amy Porterfield about how to create online courses that really transform people's lives. And I put so much of what I learned from her, her course, which wasn't cheap, into my course to make sure that it's a fantastic experience. All right, last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? This one is also relating back to NUS alumni ventures. It's happening. I'm taking on the lead for the next two academic years as an alumni myself. And we're starting our very first syndicate fund from a very small pool of angel investors or ex-founders or they're in VCs right now. 
So we are in the middle of building the fund structure as well as identify the angels that we want to raise funds from. And that's going to be very new and exciting for myself and my partner who's going to be doing this fund. And really hope that we can bring a lot of value to the startups as well as the investors themselves in the long run as well. So big things, big things. <laughs> exciting. Very exciting. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Vanessa, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you so much, Andrew. And uh, I hope all the listeners here have enjoyed my story and can make better decisions next time. Thank you so much. I had so much fun today. We appreciate it. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Today, we expanded our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.